to the service today. Good to see you uh, this morning. I have not a lot of announcements this morning. Um, The first one is to remind you that the newsletters have gone out. There will be another one that will come out um, in the the next few weeks. And so uh, check out the, the newsletter, the material that's provided in it. Uh, One of the things I wanted to highlight in the newsletter, we are in phase two of the reopen. And so phase two allows groups to um, be as large as 100. And so there was the notice in the newsletter that people can come, start coming to the church. They need to call Lynn Beyer and let them know that they would like to come. Uh, so that way we can kind of monitor our size. So when we start approaching uh, attendance of 100, then he can start telling people, uh, maybe next Sabbath you should come. So I'm optimistic in that there will be a lot of people that will start calling him to say, I'd like to attend. And he'll actually have to uh, tell them that we're getting too many. So that's my, my perspective with that. So if you know people who would like to come, let them know. Uh, They're more than welcome to come. They need to call Lynn Beyer um, just to to notify him. Uh, There is also an expectation that when you come, all of you wear masks. So uh, that's the expectation. Temp taken, uh, masks being worn. So we're we're setting that uh, as an expectation for attending as well. Um, let's see, something else. The first Sabbath of November, we will move the, the 9 o'clock service to start at 11. So remember that. The very first Sabbath of November, don't come at 8.45. Well, you can, but nobody will be here. Um, Come at 10.45, find your place, just like now, right? The, the, the process will be the same, but will change from 8.45 to 10.45. So the first Sabbath of November, remember to show up at 10.45 so we can start doing the live stream at 11. I think that that is all the announcements that I have for this morning, but uh, again, I would like to to welcome you. Um, I'm glad that each of you are here. It's good to see you, your uh, smiling eyes. <laughs> um, but uh, without further ado, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, it's good to be here today. Good to spend these moments together. 
uh, with, your, uh, with your people, people who love you and are following you. I pray that you guide us, direct us this morning in our study. May we see, may we hear, may we understand the message for you or from you for us. Today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you guys played telephone? Do you know what the game is? Do you know what the game telephone is? My my family occasionally we will play telephone at the, the meal table. So my wife will lean over and whisper a short phrase in Jared's ear so nobody else can hear it. And then Jared will lean over so nobody can hear and whisper into Jonathan's ear the same thing that my wife told him and on around the circle until it gets back to Josiah, which is the next one right before my wife who originated the story, uh, Josiah then gets to say what the little phrase or, or whatever was. In, invariably, or, or without fail, <laughs> um, the story will change just slightly. So I know one time when my wife or Jonathan started a, a story and just kind of mix it up some and cause some laughter in the group, I will change intentionally one, one of the words or I will change just slightly the message that's being presented. It's quite humorous. Uh, and then it goes through Jocelyn and so sometimes it's difficult for her to relay the idea so that the story can change quite a bit. She's just turning five and November, end of November, she'll be turning five. So she kind of, she'll change the story unintentionally. So it's, it's super funny to, to witness and experience and take part in that, in that story or that, uh, that situation. I don't know what your experiences have been reg regarding that game, but sometimes the story can change drastically. As we open our Bibles, I would invite you to, to look we are studying the book of Colossians chapter 2. It's really important, I believe, for us to open our Bibles and to read actually what the author of that book has to say rather than hearing it second or third or, or fourth hand. So, uh, it's good for us to sit down and, and actually look at and read through. So as we've invited the Holy Spirit, I think it's important for us when we open our Bibles to invite the Holy Spirit to continue to direct and lead and teach us. So Colossians chapter 2, as we read together, 
Let's read Colossians chapter 2, and let's find out what the originator of this story or this phrase has to say for us today. Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and I'll read uh, to the first of verse 2. And it says, Colossians 2, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. This is a message that Paul preaches. This is a message that Paul presents. In many of his books, he introduces the the book by saying, this is a message for you, and I want you to hear it. I want you to understand it, but I want you to be encouraged and knit together in, in strong ties of love, or by strong ties of love. So we're in this congregation. Are we knit together by strong ties of love? I appeal to you, dear brothers. This is, let me back up. Uh, if, if we go, and I, I preached 1 Corinthians, you remember when I preached 1 Corinthians? Maybe some of you do. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1 we went through that first chapter and there was a message that, that Paul presented. If you go in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, there's something he wants to present. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. What does this look like? As you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, as you look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, what does that look like? Does that remind you of other places in the Bible that this is being talked about? Right away I thought of John chapter 17. Jesus prays to the Father. And He prays for not uniformity, right? Not uniformity, but unity. He prays for unity, that they be one as the Father and Him are one. He prays that the disciples are one. He prays that those who don't hear, that don't, that don't know, that they be one as well as the Father and Him are one. Beautiful illustration. If we, if we go and look in our Bibles, John, John chapter 17, and read Jesus' prayer, we can get an idea of how desperately Jesus wants His, Father, His followers to be united. 
to be one. Continuing on to Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. I want them to, be, to have complete confidence that they understand God's myster, mysterious plan. What is God's mysterious plan? As you look in this, Paul defines what God's mysterious plan is. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. What does he say in Colossians chapter 2? What is God's mysterious plan? It's Christ Himself. There's a lot of mysterious plans out there, aren't there? If you have an account on Facebook, you can see that there are a lot of mysterious plans out there, aren't there? Yes, I just read recently about a mysterious plan. It's uh, QAnon. I don't know if you've heard of it. Heard of it? If you have, haven't, I think that that's great. <laughs> a, a mysterious plan. There's a secret thing that's going on that we don't have privy to, and so we need to go and discover it. Paul does not follow along with that philosophy. The mysterious plan that's really the most important, it is Christ himself. In him, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says that in Jesus, in him, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding, or wisdom and and knowledge. So in Christ, that's, that's really important for us to understand right now. As we face all the world's hidden plans, what is the most important hidden plan for us to understand and have knowledge of? According to Paul, according to his letter to the Colossians, what is the hidden plan that's most important? It's Christ. It's Christ. And that's of utmost importance. Continuing on, Colossians chapter 2 with verse, verse 4, I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Friends, there's winds of doctrine blowing. If we read in James, we, we read that there are winds of doctrine that are blowing. How can we be protected from the winds of doctrine? It is having knowledge and understanding of the winds of doctrine. What does Paul say? It's important to have Wisdom and, and knowledge of Christ. So the winds of doctrine will not sweep us in. I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Is your faith in Christ strong? 
Continuing verse verse 6. And now, just have, as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Not the winds, not the, 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 the different kinds of theology or the different teachings out there, but, but who? Accept and follow who? Accept and follow Christ. 1 Corinthians talks about, well, I am of Apollos. I am of, you remember what I said in the sermon, I am of Mark Finley, or I am of Doug Batchelor, or I am of someone else. I am of Donald Trump, or I am of Joe Biden. That is not what, that is not what the Bible presents. The Bible very much presents an idea that we are to be of who? We are to be of Christ. I'm going to get into uh, Philippians next, and, and he will talk about the, the citizenship that we are a member of. We are citizens of a, of a new kingdom, aren't we? We are not citizens of the world anymore. Once you become a Christian, you become citizens of another kingdom. Let's keep reading. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Verse 7. Let, let your roots... Remember last Sabbath we talked about growth in the wheat? Let your roots grow down into Jesus, Christ Jesus, into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will, you will overflow with thanksgiving. Where the gospel is presented and teached and accepted, there is growth. There is an overflow with thanksgiving. Don't let anyone capture you with, with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Who is your head here? <laughs> Biblically, who is your head? Your head is Christ. As we look at the body, the head is Christ. If we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, who is the head? According to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says the head is, is Christ. It is Jesus. It's not me. I am not your head. It's Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. And each member, according to 1 Corinthians 12, each member or each component or each part of that body has a role or an obligation to, to fill. So not all of us are a mouth. Right? Not everybody is, is, a, is a foot. Not, not everybody is an arm. Right? Everybody has a role to play in the body. 
and each one is called together as a member of that body to exercise the, the gifts that God has placed, what gift has God called you to fill? Be ready. Right? That's more of a state, right? That's more of a state rather than, a, than something that I can do. But we all have opportunity to be a part of God's mission. What is your gift and talent that God has placed on you? Some say, I don't know. Right? It's, it's a huge opportunity then, I, I believe, for us to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and ask him, you've given me a, a gift, but what is it? And then be aware as we go out. As someone says, wow, you have the, the gift of healing. You go a, alongside someone and you put your arm around them and you, you encourage them and you lift up their spirit and, and you give words of comfort. That is a gift of, in a sense, a gift of healing. So you have the gift of healing. You have the gift of hospitality. So there's a lot of different gifts that each one of you can that have. Let's continue. Where did I end off? Let's continue with verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding high nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I guess I finished reading that. Let's continue. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. When you came to Christ, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. This is what it is. He's going to define it right here. Colossians chapter 2, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It wasn't cut away. Then God made you alive with who? God made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all our sins. That, that is you. That is me right there in that story. You've, you've, what does it tell you? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. 
for he forgave all your sins. A a few of them? Some of them? The little ones? All. It says all. 1 John 1, 9, what does it say? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of a few of them? All. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you, do you believe that? Do I believe that in practice? Do I believe that when I go and I kneel down and I say, Father, forgive me. I just did something I shouldn't have done. Please forgive me. Do I believe at that moment that I've been forgiven? Yeah. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I can stand up a new creature. I can stand up a new creature. Why? Because of this promise. That as I stand up, the righteous man is one who falls down and, and does what? And gets up. The wicked is the one that falls down and stays down. Right? So it's important for us to get up. Get up. Forgive. Jesus forgave. Jesus forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you, against me, and took all our sins. He canceled the record of the, of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. You wonder why I preach about the cross so much. Without the cross, there is no victory. Without the cross, this exercise truly is an exercise in futility. But because of the cross, there is, there can be, and there will be always victory. Because he gained the victory. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 says, For you are not a true Adventist. You're not a true Adventist just because you were born an Adventist, born of Adventist parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No. A true Adventist is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by what? Produced by the Spirit. There, I, can, I can be a sixth generation Adventist. I can follow all the law. Can I still be lost? I can still be lost. I can be a, a dyed in the wool vegan and still be lost. Why? 
without Christ, it's all an exercise. I need Christ because he produces the heart change. It's easy to do outward things, but the call is for heart change. It's easy to, 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 to not murder. For some of us, it's quite simple to not murder. But it's something completely different to not hate. Right? For some, it's, it's very simple to not commit adultery. Right? It's, for some, it's simple. For others, it's much more difficult to not lust. Because that's hidden. I don't know what the heart of someone else is thinking. We're called to what? To a heart change. And that heart change can only happen with who? With Jesus. We we can only have a heart change with, with Jesus. So don't let anyone condemn you. Oh, this is Romans 14. <laughs> if you want to read it further, Romans 14, 1 through 3 or 4. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For those rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ Himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that I have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected with Christ, the head of the body. For for he, Christ, holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments. And it grows as God nourishes it. You, each of you, those who are hearing, you have died with Christ. And He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. What is the hidden agenda? What is the, the, the hand behind the scenes? What are they doing? I need to go and study and research out, find out what the hidden agenda is. Does that matter? Matter? To the citizen of heaven, does that matter? Does the agenda that might be going on behind the scenes really matter? No, it really doesn't. Colossians chapter 2 verse 20 says, You have died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers, even the hidden agendas of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as, such as 
don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and sincere bodily discipline, but they provide no help in in conquering a person's evil desires. What story have you heard as you've sat in your circle? Someone has come to you and shared with you a message. What story did you hear? And is it the true story? Is it the real story? Is it the story of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? I would encourage you as you sit and you ask your question, what story did I hear? Go to your Bible. Go to your Bible and sit down with the Bible. And listen from the author of the Bible. The story of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven. As we sit and listen to you at your feet, as Mary did so long ago, the desire or, or the, the, the thought maybe is to, to get up and go start being active, doing something. We're, we're to learn. We're to sit at your feet and listen to what you have to say. What is your story? What is your message? As you've taught me, I pray that you continue to teach those who sit and listen to you. Guide each one of us. Teach that we see. Teach that we understand. Guide us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.